0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Ten Things. Hello, good people, and welcome to this episode of Ten Things here on KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, hanging out with Haley Lewis. You might have caught her on uh, the KCSN live postgame show the last couple of weeks. Did a great job alongside Kent, Craig, Maddie, and Tucker. Haley, good to see you again.
1: Appreciate it. I almost called them the boys at home. You know, (laughs) bringing it back. That was an entertaining.
0: That was entertaining (laughs) for I put on social many reasons. reasons It was entertaining. We we were trying a lot of new things with the KCSN postgame show, (laughs) being in different locations and going back and forth. Uh, different people helping us out, but, uh, having a lot of fun, uh, doing a phenomenal job. It's going to be a great, uh, season of covering it. to make sure you are watching the Chiefs game. and You want to catch some post game analysis, some post game updates and post game. Join us, join us on our YouTube channel every week. But, uh, thank you before we get into the show. Thank you to our sponsor of 10 things mission taco joint. Now with three locations in Kansas city, including their new one out in Leewood, We appreciate not only their support of this program, but also of the KCSN foundation mission taco joint was generous enough to help support our feed it forward program and provide meals every month to hope faith ministries in downtown Kansas city. We'll be providing meals alongside mission Taco joint and serving that food once per month. If you're interested in supporting or being a part of this program, let us know. You can also get 10% off your order every Tuesday at any of the three KC area mission taco joint locations by simply mentioning kcsn so thank you to mission taco taco joint haley i'm already hungry
1: i know taco tuesday's tomorrow we got one more day yeah we can power through we'll go get those tacos downtown
0: absolutely <laughs> going to happen all right haley we've got 10 things that are top yep. of mind for us right now regarding the kansas city chiefs following their second preseason game if you've listened to this show before you kind of know how it goes if not uh it's a lot easier in the regular season yeah we get into this yeah, stuff it's but it's more to talk about during the regular season but here are 10 things that are just kind of top of mind uh for mm-hmm. us right now hey let's How do you get things started?
1: Okay, the meat and potatoes. The Chiefs were better this week. Yes. I think that's the easiest way to say it. Last week, you see them go against the Saints. Things started off a bit dicey this week. I think you can put all those doubts to bed that the offense is going to get there. They have a whole other week to get there as well before they get there by the whole opener on Thursday Night Football. But a much more efficient start. We got to see Mahomes kind of fall into things. I think people on Twitter were freaking out right in the beginning because the first couple of drives, but by the third series... Things start to look smooth. They buckled down. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me: Mahomes targeted ten different receivers and made nine connections with nine different receivers. I think that's wonderful to show just how um, the depth chart goes with this team and what we can look forward to next. I time. think he's ready to go. Yeah, I think he's he's on Looking top. Of it. It's
0: it's interesting. I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth, and I completely understand and being a hypocrite here that I'll tell you it doesn't matter what happens in the preseason. Out right. of no in- new injuries, which let's be honest, if we're talking about the ten most important things coming from that game. On Saturday against the Cardinals, it was the fact that the Chiefs did not have any injuries that uh, they needed to talk about. So that's what you want to see. But outside of that, you don't really care what happens. They're not game planning. They're not doing Mm matchups. All things that has made Andy Reid a Hall of Fame coach. The reason he's one of the best to do it. They're not doing any of that kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't care when it's bad, but when it's good, I'm going to feel good. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's just hedging my emotions and being like, oh, it doesn't matter if they don't look great. But you want to see success at least at some point during the preseason. You want to see them get into a rhythm with guys uh, making plays. It's nice to see Mahomes honestly get outside the pocket a little bit. Right. Some of the Mahomes Have magic stuff uh, that we've seen from him. But it kind of takes us into the second point, Haley, about just loving to see the offense be better. But the Chiefs offense specifically is the number two point here in that was the fact they had a 505, 504 yards of total to offense. I did realize that until I looked at it. It's hard when there's so many of really- quarterbacks coming in right. and like, of, don't know who's in there and trying to figure out who was it that just made that catch. Who's, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Uh, but 504 yards of total offense, 27 first downs, mm-hmm. six of nine on third down, obviously with the 38 to 10 win. Uh, pretty impressive. And the four quarterbacks were all yeah. very, very good.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the best thing that we saw was the clean sleet or sheet <laughs> Fleet, whatever. Uh, from all the quarterbacks That was really cool to see Alden come in, play well It's always great to see Mahomes do well But we already know he's going to do well It's not even a concern It's just more to see how are the other quarterbacks going to fall in line Who comes off the bench when Mahomes gets hurt Those certain things And I think a little controversy Which kind of even leads us into our next point Which we'll get to in a second About the quarterbacks There is no controversy But maybe there is at QB number two I mean potentially
0: yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So going through their their box scores here real quick. Uh, all right. Blaine Gabbert. All right, let's start with Mahomes. Mahomes goes 10 of 15 for 105 yards, average seven yards per attempt with a touchdown. Passer rating of 109. He's actually fourth on the, on the passer rating uh, ranked with He's the four cutting. quarterbacks who played. Uh, I, I like his chances of him making the squad. All right, so who came in second? Shane Bouchelle, which was the big storyline because mm-hmm. everybody just kind of thought that Blaine Gabbard would at least be that guy. And this kind of started that conversation again of, is Shane have a legitimate chance of knocking Blaine Gabbert out of being that backup quarterback. Shane Buschel goes 10 of 10 for 105 yards. Twitter is absolutely exploding, just giving him the job. And then Blaine Gabbert comes out and absolutely tears it up going seven of eight for 120 yards and two touchdowns, two touchdowns with a 158.3 perfect quarterback rating. And then Chris, uh, I don't know if I said that correctly. I apologize. Uh, Goes four or five for sixty-three yards, averaging twelve point six yards per attempt, with a pass rating of one eighteen point eight. All four quarterbacks look good, but Haley, to your point, this is a perfect Andy Reid quote for the preseason. Right. He just—it's a non-answer, but he kind of talks about I'm something. Alludes to what he, what he meant. He was asked after the game about the fact that Shane Bouchelle came in mm-hmm. instead of Blaine Gabbert second, and this is what Andy Reid, this is from the Chiefs PR quotes. Well, this was a game that. Chiefs quarterback Blaine Gabbard wasn't scheduled to play. Normally, the third guy goes, but both of them played great, and that's a mm-hmm. good thing that they both played really good football. Okay. That's a great thing that they played good
1: football. I, I, we're all happy, and it's a, a Andrew quote in and out. I mean, that that's per- perfectly sums up the way that the guy does his yes. game pressers. But it was Perfect. the controversy of Twitter during the game. Yep. Then you get an answer, oh, he wasn't even scheduled to play. That's why Shane went out with the twos. But then my question after that, following that up, is then, why did they pull Shane? If he wasn't scheduled to play, why did they mm-hmm. put Gabbert back out there? If I mean, if they if they truthfully didn't have him playing and he was maybe going to potentially play against the Browns when they come to Arrowhead next yeah. week, then why pull Shane? Shane was having a great day. Maybe it's because it was all perfect and it's oh, like, so. let's not mess it up. Tucker, do you have a tinfoil
0: hat? Because I hope he was looking too good. They were worried about losing Emmett. They're like, pull this guy out. Sorry. Blaine, we knew you thought you had the day off, but this guy's absolutely killing it, and he's not going to make the practice squad we leave him out on the field. He's doing it. There's all kinds of reasons that it could be, and we don't know what the truth is, but it did lead to interesting conversations regarding, all right, what's Blaine Gabbard's contract? Like, is it even feasible for him to do this? And somebody had, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, like, his contract was guaranteed. So I went and looked it up. Blaine Gabbard signed a one-year, $1.3 million deal, Deal. $1.0925 million guaranteed. Let me stay in. That's a good enough money, but it's not so much money that they wouldn't eat a million dollars in dead cap if they thought that it would help them somewhere else on the roster, be able to keep someone else because they just keep two quarterbacks because mm-hmm. they train that Shane, they trust that Shane Bouchelle can be the guy. The other aspect of this, Haley, that's really interesting, Andy Reid generally, except in the Patrick Mahomes time, likes veteran backup quarter. I mean, with Chad Henney for the right. longest time, even before that, when all at like Matt Moore. Exactly. Was, we've they, seen they it want, before. Right. We've seen it before because you want those veteran guys who have gone, gone in there and done it before I'm curious at some point he's not the young guy anymore and we look at Shane Bouchelle; doesn't have a lot of experience he signed in 2021 he's been oh, this in this off. offense around Patrick Mahomes the last two plus years uh-huh. so he knows this offense better than Blaine Gabbard if we're being honest I mean that's making a giant assumption I'm not in the room that I understand this is an assumption but great player he's been here for two years I'm assuming he knows some of the ins and outs he's had the experience of sitting in rooms with Patrick Mahomes preparing for huge games against the Cincinnati Bengals, against the Buffalo Bills. And Haley, you've been in that locker room. Yeah. The backup quarterback's job, besides coming in and winning a couple of games, picking up some key third downs, like anything is possible, it made him it's a legend. To be the support to Mahomes. Right, it's that sounding board. Yeah, and exactly. they're close. We see him hanging out in the off, like off the I field. That's the that he and Blaine aren't close. Not about that. But he might be not necessarily a veteran, but more experienced to be the quote unquote veteran mm-hmm. in the way that we talk about it and what you need from a backup quarterback.
1: Then yes, I, I, what we see with I follow that point. It might yeah. rather not necessarily the fact that he needs to be 36 years old right. <laughs> or 38 years old, but he needs to be someone who's going to keep Mahomes calm, cool, collected. Also someone to speak with him on the sidelines, someone to bring him back in, someone who knows Andy Reid's offense like the back of their hand, uh, someone who has that experience in the playoffs. And although Shane wasn't in those certain games, he's been along for the ride. So, again, I think uh, Twitter maybe would have ran with it like we all did during the game. Then we get Andy Reid's answer at the end of it. And I think now what is to bring into question is the fact that we'll see what happens next week. Like you said, we're not in that room. Everything we're saying is just speculation. It's very likely that both of these quarterbacks will be on the 53 man roster. It's just who comes off the bench when Mahomes gets hurt. If if, not Wayne, if that ever happens.
0: And I think. Shane Bouchel may have played so well that there's a team out there that doesn't have their quarterback situation figured out that's like, you know what? He could be one of our top three quarterbacks. Yeah. So if yeah. the Chiefs need to only have two quarterbacks on their active roster or on their 53 because they have so much depth everywhere else, if they don't feel like they can cut Shane Bouchelle on that first round of 53, he passes through waivers, and we'll get to that here on mm-hmm. the fourth point. It's a good transition here. Um, the trimming. We'll get to that. Well, I'll finish that point as I, after I explain this because the roster deadline, it is different this year. It's different in 2023. It's Tuesday, August 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Everything in the league is always 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, where they do stuff like this. But the roster has to be trimmed from 90 players down to 53. So... Over the next weeks, expect to see everybody's projected fifty-three yeah. yeah. rosters. All the Chiefs' content you're going to yeah. see over the next week are projected fifty-three minutes. Hey, like
1: better than how we've done it in years past, where it was a slow trim after each preseason.
0: I do. I think the coaches are going to like it a lot more yeah. because you have more players that could play in the final game. That it doesn't matter. The problem is you would trim it down, and by the time you get to that final preseason game, you'd have fewer players. But that's the one that you'd want the majority of your guys who are going to play. You don't want sure. them playing at all. So it kind of puts the coaches in a tricky position. I always thought, and this is interesting story for anyone that's followed me for a while. I've talked about this before in that the part that was always seemed stressful to me if you just have the one cut and everybody gets released is on the scouting side, the pro personnel department where you have these pro personnel scouts who are scouting and and trying to find players that may get released on other teams to try and strengthen your roster. and when you truck when you cut from 90 to 53 on the same day 32 NFL teams, 37 players getting cut that's 1184 players Oof. that are all getting Oof. released at the same time well you're a pro personnel guy and you're trying to figure out which players could benefit our team that's almost 1200 players that you're sorting through and they have Work. a system that's a software program where you're scouting throughout the the preseason you tag guys that you like and then the software as soon as the players get released it spits out to you mm-hmm. here are the players you tagged that you like that just got released So they're not sorting through all this stuff like manually it's it's this like saw and you expect that it has it but it's cool to hear him talk about how they can tag him in different ways and then it spits out these reports saying hey 1200 guys just got released here are the six that you tag that you like that got released mm-hmm. so it speeds up that process for the scouting department but yeah going back to the the quarterback situation is releasing blaine gabbert because you don't think shane Bouchelle can be on the practice squad because you make practice squad you get you're part of that initial cut yeah go through waivers some other team based on the way he's played, and again, maybe you just want to take a flyer on a young quarterback. They could see Shane Bouchard if the Chiefs don't want to lose him. Well, it's worth that million dollars.
1: It's it's interesting. It's it's going to be a interesting Tuesday. We got what a, a, a week and a day away. Wow, is yeah. it really that time?
0: It is crazy. When you
1: know about when we talk about the quarterbacks, another thing to talk about though is also the wide receiver room. That's always biggest uh, biggest controversy going into that cut. There's a lot of young guys, a lot of veteran guys. Also, this is a now, second year in the road that the Chiefs have lost their biggest producer, uh, at wide receiver. You know, you lose Tyree Kill, then you lose J.J. Smith-Schuster last year. Now, who's going to step up? It's all about NVS. It's all about Sky Moore. Now, we have two or three rookies really basically doing a pretty good job. Then you have Kadarius Toney, who's injured. Yep. So, there's a lot of names we're throwing out here. In your opinion, how many... I mean, you've been around the team for a while, too. Yeah. Wide receiver room is a good one to keep bolstered up. How many do you see them keeping? when Mahomes can hit 9 out of 10 targets in a preseason game.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be the int- most interesting, I think, thing going into this because it could set a precedent that we've never seen from Andy Reid. And this is courtesy of Joseph Hefner, who does uh, analytics for us on our Substack, mm-hmm. Uh Joseph had put this out on his social media account. Uh, it's just a graphic. It's very organized. I, I actually quote tweeted it earlier, so uh, I know some of this information is probably hard to take in uh Audio-wise, I'm a visual person. You need to see it. I feel like going it. Go on to my social media. You can <laughs> like, see what
1: are you, getting? you
0: see the graphic. But no, it, <laughs> it starts in 2013, and it goes every year all the way through 2022, every position group. How many players he's kept at that position group? I follow. Friend, okay. he's been here. And then it's like an average. Well, the interesting thing, and specific to your point, Andy Reid has never kept more than six wide receivers on the initial 53-man roster. Okay. It's It's been six but every year but three. In the last two years, he'd only kept five receivers for an average, again, during his what 10 years here of five point seven wide receivers on average on the roster. And again, has never kept seven wide oh receivers. Knowledge. Well, I see. Here are seven wide receivers. If the Chiefs do keep seven again for the first time, you have MBS, okay. Sky Moore, Richie James, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, Justin Ross, and Kadarius Toney. Unless Kadarius Tony starts on IR in some way or he yeah, makes the initial exactly. fifty-three, yeah. then they have to take him off. Because if you're on if you put on IR before the initial fifty-three, your season is done. So you have to wait until the after. So you have to make the initial roster or any players injured like Kadarius Toney. If he can't play or they're gonna put him on IR, they're gonna make him he's gonna be on the initial fifty three, go through the waivers, then they can put him on IR, and then he can officially come back later that season. Uh but anyway, it's it's a really cool graphic if you're trying to play that game of how can we fit mm-hmm. you know 53 guys and what have they done in the past? It's just offensive line is one of the ones that tends to rotate quite a bit. Uh, defensive line uh, tends to rotate quite a bit, but between quarterback and wide receiver, interesting ones. It's
1: gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out. Let's talk about one of them. Okay. Wide receiver rookie Rasheed Rice, right? Look good. Had a good game
0: after the. I like that he bounced back from a mistake. Makes He's a big done. drop. People talk about it and he comes back.
1: Right, and and that, that's the mental game of the NFL, right? And to be able to do so on national television in front of a ton of people and to be able to pick up, bounce back, get right back on it. You finish the day with 96 yards leading the team. I mean, it was his, I hate to even like say breakout, let's put the quotations around it, but a very good showing in the second preseason game for him. Potentially a guy who we could see have big numbers this season. Uh, Reed afterwards saying, when reporters brought to him, of course this is an Andy Reid quote they bring to him the fact okay was he having more numbers than usual was he purposely put in there more often um or called upon more often than others and he goes his number just got dialed up we just called him you know he picked up texted us back and there he's on the field you know number just I mean that's just it is what it is sometimes things shake out that way he continued to do good they kept putting him on the field it works out Mahomes also saying back in OTAs that you could see his talent. Um, you know, he's an, yeah. a guy who is, helps them showcase why the roster is going to be so deep at that position. But also, he has all the confidence in this kid and he steps up and shines when the moment is brightest.
0: That in quote Patrick Mahomes. Haley, you've been in the locker room, you've talked to these players when they've gotten drafted, these young wide receivers in this offense. Yeah. And it's yeah. always like, they're eager, but it's always a little bit of like deer in the headlights because of how much mentally is being put on them that they're not used oh, to. Yeah. And for a player to come out and for Mahomes to say those kinds of things, they're always going to say positive things. Sure. But you can kind of read between the lines on like how much are they praising them. And with Rishi Rice, it seems like it's a lot of genuine. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of things that Rishi Rice probably isn't 100% comfortable with yet. Absolutely. Yeah. But it doesn't seem too big for him at this point.
1: And, and like you said, a deer in the headlights, That's a, the, a, even with just having an interview, right? And a lot of the times the guys during the preseason, as you know, they'll throw the rookies into the into the scrum, the scrum where all the reporters are basically just you have. I mean, this is where the microphone is and they have absolutely no room to even breathe with reporters on them. And they have to stay calm, cool, collected and be able to say exactly what they need to get out and also hope that the one mishab or one misspelled or well. But mispronunciation of something doesn't get just torn apart into pieces <laughs> by the reporters for for one phrase. So it's a lot to handle. You have to handle the media. You have to handle the playbook, as we know, which is even harder. And you have to handle being on the field when you make mistakes and bouncing back. That maturity is something I think is more significant than him having an even better game. That's maturity cool. to come back to bounce back from what he did to get right back on it and be like hey I got this I know what I'm doing um a lot of guys would just crumble under that kind of pressure and yeah. I think if he can continue to do that in this next preseason game then that's a guy we're going to see a lot of this
0: season yeah and they're going to need to count on him, and that's where the kind of the locker room and the the guys supporting around him yep and be able to look around and see guys like Travis Kelsey and guys that it's not like you're in the room with other guys that haven't had that level of success that you're still not going to listen to them. But when you're talking about the greatest tight end to ever play the game right. and the greatest quarterback to ever play it's the game, first you're really surrounded by yeah. people that yeah. you don't have to question, is are those habits, is what they're doing what will get me to that level? You always want to have that blind trust, but there is no blind trust anymore. You see, they're only really blind about it. They're wearing rings. They've got trophies everywhere. Do what you see your teammates doing and that's the process that will get you everything that you want to get in this sport, both individually and collectively as a team, um, we are going to break down. That's five things we've got mm-hmm. through five. We've got five more. Talking about one player that you're going to hate to see leave, but I just don't see how he makes it. Which, talk about we him. Just talked about, we, yeah. What we just talked about. One player that I'm going to hate to see leave, and I'm also going to tease. We've got an interview coming up uh, with Rustin Dodd, writer for the Athletic, but also wrote the uh, patch Mahomes book, Kingdom Quarterback. Interesting history of Kansas City, history of patch Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting book. Excited to talk to Rustin here uh, at the end of this episode. So hang around, but we'll be right back after this quick.
2: Thanks for listening to KC sports network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the app store or Google play. Just search KC sports network.
3: What is up chief's kingdom. We've got to interrupt today's podcast to tell you about our friends at factor. And with the busy season, just around the corner, school starting up football, starting up sports are starting back up for this season. You might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. In Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up with fresh, chef preferred dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy with your end-of-summer goals to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? with Factors get the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up while still getting the flavor and the nutritional quality that you need. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy to get back to crushing your goals. Refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat. You can choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed dietitian approved meals, ready to eat in just two minutes. And then you can level up as well with their Gourmet Plus options, prepared to perfection by chefs, ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. I put in an order with Factor. I got a chef's choice, so I'm excited to see what they send me there with uh, Factor. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off.
0: welcome back to 10 things and bj kissel we're hanging out with Haley lewis here at the kcsn world headquarters The show presented by our friends over at mission taco joint it's yeah. tease going into this break Haley, that uh there's going to be players that you hate to see leave and that's yeah. part of the the brett Veach um chiefs you know personnel departments kind of uh across the bears that the better they are at their job the harder their job becomes the more talent they bring in uh, the harder it's going to be let guys go. And there's going to be times where we end up letting guys go that two, three years down the road become dudes for other teams mm-hmm. just because you can't get everything 100% right. I'm hoping this next guy that we're about to talk about doesn't become a dude for another team because he stepped up at four receptions for 92 yards yeah. and a touchdown last week, um, or excuse me, last Saturday against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm talking about uh, Amir and Smith-Marset, the wide receiver. We just named off seven wide receivers and could it be the first time that Andy Reid in his tenure in Kansas City, keeps seven wide receivers in the initial 53. And it's not including Amir Smith-Marset, who showed out in a big way, I think showed some stuff. He's going to be on an NFL roster somewhere.
1: And I know we've said this a lot. Uh, I've said this multiple times before, but Brett Veach would literally trade his own mother away meant against the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And no matter what, how good of a person the player is, how wonderful they are off the field with their teammates in the locker room, it just comes down to business. And it would what we just talked about before the break, all the wide receivers that we're talking through, and that's even hard to narrow down. Yeah. And those are guys we feel pretty locked in on. This is a great a great talent. Yeah. But even Nate Taylor tweeted it out on Twitter. Yeah. Another NFL team is going to reap the benefits the Chiefs developing near Smith-Marset. So yeah. it's unfortunate it's the way that it goes. Um, I don't see him landing here unless something blows my mind next
0: week. Yeah, and i know i've seen a few things not a lot but just on social scene well if they're not good trade them. some team will trade for him every other team has pro personnel guys who are going to look at our roster and say they don't have a room for him we don't have to trade for him unless you don't think he'll pick you or you're low on the waiver wire there are reasons why a trade could still make sense sure um you control the fact that he would come to you doesn't have to go through waiver so maybe but you don't have a lot of leverage because teams know you can't keep them all Uh, If that's a player that somehow ends up on the practice squad will be an absolute phenomenal thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, Amir Smith-Marset was a fifth-round pick in 2021 out of Iowa by the Vikings. He's played in 14 games in his career with the Vikings and the Bears, who he spent some time with last year before he came over to Kansas City. But, a. the thing that showed, thing that I love seeing from him, he had, four, like I said, four catches for the 92 yards on Saturday. The f- but he showed a little bit of everything on each one of those plays. On the first catch, it was a deep corner route where he got over the defense, showed his speed, mm-hmm. showed his ability to track the football. And it's one of those, you're running those corner routes, you're running away from the wide right receiver, you're catching over your outside shoulder. Talk about like those outfield turns, right. like an outfielder, in so baseball, people looking one way over shoulder and then flipping and looking the other way. It's not easy to do, and it's easy to see guys not be able to track the ball and find mm-hmm. it and make a play. But the fact that he did that on his first one made a big catch for a huge gain. And then on his next one, you saw a little pivot route, which he kind of stumbled through. I don't want to say it was the cleanest route anyone's ever run. Uh, That little pivot, whip route, whatever you want to call it. But as soon as he caught it, he took a shot from the safety. We'll give some credit or be fair here. It wasn't the greatest tackle attempt, but you saw a safety come downhill. Gives him a pop. And for a receiver, saw, saw have the speed to get over the top of a defense, track the ball, and catch it that same receiver to have the physical ability to catch a quick route across the middle, take a shot from a safety, yeah. have the contact balance to not go down, but then turn the corner. and The I, timing of that. I, I call it athletic fluidity. I don't know what else to call it. We say with Bobby Streak, like the running in the semicircles, whatever you call that athleticism, you take a shot, you turn that ankle, you turn your body and then explode up the field. Right. That's a completely different kind of skill set. So you've seen two completely different types of skill sets on two catches for him. And then on his third one, it was just a nice little hook route. But then on the last one, it was a back shoulder catch, Mm -hmm. which takes a lot of timing, a lot of um, practice and looks a lot. It's a lot more difficult than it looks. And then he drug a defender like five yards after that catch uh, for his last one, almost scoring his second touchdown. And so you saw the speed down the field, the ability to track a ball. You saw the physicality being able to basically shut off a blocker, immediately get up the field and score a touchdown. And on his last one, more of a refined back shoulder kind of a i don't say passive but more of a a skill type of practice play that's not easy to do it's not a physical thing that takes a lot of reps and a lot of work ethic uh, to be able to do something like that and then again the physicality to drag a defender again you show those three plays to any team i guarantee you he's going to be one of the six best wide receivers on one of the 32 teams in the NFL
1: I mean you you seem pretty solid in your feeling about him not making it here in KC I think a lot of people would agree with you as well not to say that that's any bit wrong yeah. but if he was going to take a spot of someone who would be your first person you would mix I know we didn't rehearse that I just threw we it didn't, that, I, but it's not, it's
0: not that it's that it's not cut. easy um because you Justin did. Watson is making this team. I've seen that on social media I'm telling you Justin Watson is, if Justin Watson doesn't make the Chiefs roster, I, I will donate $500 to some charity. You can copy out on social media account. all you I want. He is going do. to make this roster. What? I no, just have okay. a charity
1: bank account. If you, you, you tell, like tell me it. what
0: charity to send it to. The first person I see on social media that listens to this and names a legitimate, nice charity, <laughs> <laughs> I will donate $500 if he doesn't make the initial 53-man yeah. roster. I'll put my money where my mouth is. Justin, It's not Justin Watson. Um, the only the the cop out answer would be maybe Kadarius Tony, but that would just because he wouldn't make the initial fifty three. He has to make the initial fifty three, so it's not Richie James has looked good. I don't know who it would be. I'm trying to figure out an IR something or other, and
1: you'd have to move some pieces. That's it's it's something that I would need yeah. time to answer. I, again, I just threw it on you. Unless unless you're
0: trading but, Richie James or somebody like that, but I don't know why they would do that. I think so that's I, one of the
1: wing Weakest links. But let's talk about another Justin. Okay. Justin yes. Ross. The kid who has the best story probably story. in the league right now. Sits out due to injury. He's technically a rookie now, first-year player. Um, beginning of the game, Chiefs are struggling. He's able to step up big. Mahomes connects with him. 12-yard gain gets him into the Cardinals territory. That's another guy. He only had two receptions, 18 yards. But this is, an, again, another kid who he showed up against the Saints. He shows up again. He plays his role. He might not have stood out as much as other receivers. You're not going to do that every single game. You're not going to be the star of every game. But what Mahomes said about Ross afterwards is what stood out to me. So he says, in quotes, it was a good play. We wanted him singled up to see what he could do. He's been making those plays happen all training camp, and I think you have all seen that. Um, it's a lot of trust that we have going within him to win the assignment. Uh, he ran a great route. Lost the defensive back, caught the ball, got up the field, great catch. I think, again, if you have Mahomes saying things about you post-game and it's positive, we have trust in him, you've seen those things all season long, and and we're there in the media too. We've heard Mahomes. I mean, he's not going to ever bash a player or say something, right? but for him to use the words trust, you've been seeing it happen all training camp, I think that stands big and and will carry through for him. So I'm excited to see how he does throughout the rest of the year. That was another good performance for him. He might not have been the I mean, the greatest thing in the world, but next week we'll see him hopefully continue to build on what he did in week one.
0: I think it was important for those of us that really pay attention to like the roster snaps and who's playing with who. That Justin Ross in the first preseason game wasn't on the field with Mahomes. Right. And then this time he was on the made, field made with connected. Mahomes. They made a connection. And it wasn't for me. I'm not going to go too much because we've seen it from Justin Ross consistently. Uh, for people who are at practice every day, it was like, hey, this guy's pretty good. There were a lot of us that were like, hey, he's never stepped foot on the field. And for me, it always goes back. The Justin Ross conversation flipped when the DeAndre Hopkins stuff was happening, where it was some factions of Chiefs fans that we don't need DeAndre Hopkins. We have Justin Ross. Th- those of us that were like,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, whoa. Like, relax.
0: Not saying he might not be, but that's not a reason that Brett Veach should not bring him in because a player who's never stepped foot on the field is going to be someone who is versus, versus who's so. a yeah. top five wide receiver over the last decade. So that's the part for me, but what gets me really excited physically and what we saw against the Cardinals on Saturday, wasn't just that Justin Ross had the nice catch. It was that you have a six foot four, 210 pound receiver running a whip route that created that much separation. Mm -hmm. Those are normally route, the kind of routes you see from your slot, your inside guys that are breaking to the out, um, trying to manipulate the safety, the linebacker, move some guys around. The fact that a receiver at his size can create that kind of separation. And granted, I don't know who the DB was on it, um, playing in this division where you have Patrick Sertan, you have Asante Samuel Jr. Sure. You've got some dude, JC Jackson, he comes back and plays the way that we've seen him play in his career. But maybe not going to do that against starters. But that was a phenomenal route Mm -hmm. by a big receiver that you normally don't see those types of routes won. On the outside, by guys his size,
1: and, and Mahomes even alluded to that—the fact that he was able to win the assignment. I mean, yeah. that's the biggest key, I think, in what you're saying and what I'm saying is the fact that greatness is recognizing that. And yeah. and, and who it was against, we might not know. It might not have been the ones that, <laughs> that they were putting out on the field as well. But it's it shows the potential. It's a it's a step in the right direction. It's something we hope potentially see next week. And yeah. from there on out, I mean, that's really all you can say. It's not
0: a but. It was who was it against? He won that. It was. Agreed. I'm still not ready to to pencil him in as the number. I two think that's the best way to say it. Yes, but he's definitely shown, and based on what's been said, that they're comfortable with him out here, and that's the biggest thing. Let's move on to another player that I'm very comfortable with because I've said, going back to when they first signed him, my favorite move that the Chiefs made, um, not just from an impact, but from a contract and just fit mm-hmm. standpoint, was linebacker Drew Tranquil. Um, he's the second highest graded Chiefs defender through two preseason games, only behind Nick Bolton. Um, but saw this and I, I apologize. I think it was Matt Derrick on uh, Twitter who said that Drew Tranquil also is the backup green dot, yes. which means in a very nice. short amount of time, Spags has shown trust in him to hand him that sort of responsibility. And the fact that got here just this off season, cite a one year, million million contract for a player who is going to be on the field, a lot, a playmaking on the other side of the line of scrimmage linebacker, fantastic move from Brett Veach. Uh, and just kind of a tag because they signed very similar contracts. The third highest graded Chiefs defender this preseason, safety Mike Edwards, who also signed this offseason one year's mm-hmm. three million dollars. We make a lot of credit and obviously I'm yeah, for we credit roster. praise the Chiefs for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all these guys. You do not win Super Bowls without players like Drew Tranquil and Mike mm-hmm. Edwards at some point stepping up. So Brett Veach deserves a lot of credit for putting this roster together, what we've seen. Uh, I know we're about to talk about the offensive line, yeah. Uh, that he worked on this offseason, but do not forget about players like Mike Edwards and especially Drew Tranquil. I think he's going to be a fan favorite because I think he's going to be making those play, breaking up passes across the middle, making tackles for loss, those things that get Arrowhead going. He's going to end up being a fan favorite. And I've yeah. that from the
1: beginning. I think, and on the sidelines, you also see him. Him and Mahomes hang around a lot. Yeah. I, I,
0: One of them was kind of unfortunate on the interception at the end. Yeah. Did he? He had the he same played? exact reaction. He had the I same like, exact reaction. That I
1: think he's a Charger.
0: You need to realize that you stand next to the quarterback, you're going to be on TV a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's a good thing. I mean, they're hanging around. That's great. We love it. Uh, Let's go to the O-line, though. Another talking about those offseason additions. Um, You you bring in Jawan Taylor. That was the start. It was guard, tackle, guard, tackle. What's it going to be? Now we see him falling into that tackle position. He also lines up with Donovan Smith on the other side of that. The duo doing well, keeping Mahomes squeaky clean Mm -hmm. in this past game. That that was a big question in the offseason. Yep. Losing Orlando Brown Jr., also saying goodbye to Andrew Wiley, a little more shifting in that O line. We've seen it happen ever since Super Bowl fifty-four. And now it seems like I don't want to be premature on these things, but this is all I have to talk about. <laughs> so, it was a big story it looked line. good.
0: And it it's funny to go back now because they've kind of settled into where I think most people kind of expected, but there was some I'll say miscommunication, but it's just confusing there. After the Juwan Taylor signing, maybe they didn't know that Donovan Smith was going to be available because he was like, right. well, they can both play both positions mm-hmm. and Juwan Taylor can play on the left. Donovan Smith can play on the right. And that's the one that never made sense to me of, I know you pay Juwan Taylor a certain amount of money and that could be at left tackle, it should, but it should be
1: versatile, yeah, but
0: he's played right tackle. Yeah, Donovan do Smith played left. Do not put them in places that yeah. they haven't been playing, put them where they're most comfortable regardless of the money. And that's kind of where things seem to be headed uh, as the team gets ready. Uh, for the next preseason game it's always an interesting week Haley because you have like a third of the Chiefs roster is not they're not paying attention at all yeah. to the preseason game they are preparing <laughs> for Detroit and then you have another half or two-thirds of the roster that are going to play that have to game plan and yeah. kind of not game plan but kind of get ready to play in a football game where the rest of the guys are kind of studying they're not paying attention at all right about what's going to happen on Saturday but um, but yeah it, it's always my favorite game Haley and I think last point talked through with uh with all of this is i always like the last preseason game because it's guys living out there not to be completely corny about it these guys bust their ass they work very very hard not only yeah, at camp to that moment. get on the field but to put themselves in their lives to be in a position to step foot on the field and have their picture taken and try to get a clip that they can show their grandkids on yeah. social media like hey uh look what, what granddad <laughs> did like yeah, was, yeah, yeah, always stand close you get a right here But I enjoy watching it. Hopefully, people out there listening to the show can uh, appreciate, even if they don't watch the whole thing, catch part of it, that uh, the people you're watching out there are literally living their dream, which I always enjoy watching. I don't care the sport. I don't care the situation. Find people that have dedicated their lives to something and appreciate watching.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and we got a whole nother week to do it. Talk about a whole lot of nothing, but a lot of great things going on. And then, you know, we're opening up the
0: regular season. It's almost time. and that was nine things. And the 10th thing is a bonus this time. And like I said earlier in the show, going to have a chance to catch up with Rustin Dodd. uh, was the author, along with Mark Dent of Kingdom Quarterback. Got a copy of it right here. I'm, I'm about, about a third of the way through it. I read about 120 pages of this thing last night. It's a really cool read. I'm excited to talk to Rustin about it, but it's a really cool read for anybody who's from Kansas City, especially mm-hmm. as a suburban kid. It talks about the JC Nichols and the history, which I kind of knew, but Yeah, didn't quite know at the the level of it. A lot of stuff with Mahomes, I was aware of because I had a pretty good seat for that. But excited uh, to catch up with Rustin right after this break. We'll see you.
2: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
0: All right, welcome back to 10 Things, and just like I said, going into this break, we have a special guest on to to wrap up this episode, and we're talking with Rustin Daz, writer for The Athletic, but he's also one of the two authors of Kingdom Quarterback. Like I was saying earlier, I got about 120, 130 pages in last night, Rustin, and just a quick teaser for anybody who's listening, whether audio or video, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, and how a once-swinging Cowtown chased the ultimate Come back. Rustin, I appreciate you coming on and having a chance to talk with us a little bit about your book.
5: No, thanks, Vijay. I'm really glad to be on.
0: Yeah, we were talking a little bit before we started recording just about how it's just a cool kind of mix of short stories. And as somebody that grew up in the, the Kansas suburbs and a lot of the the history of the way that Kansas City, the way that it is now and how it got to this point, it's a really interesting read. And that I knew a lot of these things, but didn't necessarily know it at the level and at the detail you guys get to in this book. So the first question I have for you is just what led you to such a unique idea to put together a book that goes from, you know, Patrick Mahomes and what it is now to kind of the history of Kansas City and how we got to this point. It's just a really creative way you guys put this together.
5: Yeah. So it it all started probably after the Chiefs won their uh, first Super Bowl. So this is like 2020, you know, a few months after the Super Bowl, going into that next sort of like run it back season. Um, and it seemed like, you know, like the chiefs were like, even at that time, it just seemed like, okay, this is going to be a dynasty. I don't know if you felt that way, but like, it just, it just seemed like they had everything football wise. And so I grew up, uh, we're close to the same age. I think you're a little bit older than I am, but I grew up in, uh, Overland park in like the nineties and, uh, graduated high school 2005. So that's like the era in which I grew up in. And, And like, it just felt as I spent most of my like adulthood in Kansas city that, like the city had just drastically changed from kind of the late 90s into like the 2000s and 2010s. And it just like the city had a lot of momentum and obviously sports are a big part of that, but like just everything in the city just seemed to be kind of like a lot of changing, new energy, like new pride, like all these various things. And then it just seemed like that, you know, Patrick Mahomes was this sort of like thunderbolt that was even like turbocharging the city even more. Uh, so when he arrived, so you know the basic idea was like we we well, my co-author Mark Dent, um, who was also from Overland Park, like we wanted to write a book about Kansas City, um, but it seemed like Patrick Mahomes was sort of like the perfect character to sort of help tell the story um, for like for many reasons. One, I mean, he's a fascinating you know sports character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also just like the way we structured the book, and you sort of mentioned that it's sort of both of these stories simultaneously. It's like Patrick Mahomes' story, but then it's Kansas City's story. Um, And, you know, like it just it's it seems like it's an easier way for somebody to kind of get through both stories. Right. So like you don't have to spend you don't have to spend 300 pages just writing reading straight history of Kansas City, which some people might find interesting, but like it might just be a little bit more of a slog to get through. So it's like if you can read 15 pages about, you know, some era of Kansas City that you might not be familiar with, and then you spend 15 pages reading about the 2017 draft. Um, yeah. it's, it's like uh, it's just like kind of a fun way to get through a book that has some like serious you know topics and serious subject matter. But it's also just like our whole point was like, let's make a book that's fun that people will will want to get through
0: what I took from it as I started reading through it, it, it again it was interesting for me because I grew up out in Stillwell um which is now considered Overland park as uh, they annexed all the way out there like during that time because I, I, I graduated from Blue Light High school in 2001 and so a lot of the the stuff that we're talking about whether it's you know overland Park stillwell it's all kind of the, the same general area but I think it's really cool the way that you set it up and and a lot of things that I didn't know about the city that I grew up in or the suburb of the city uh that I grew up in in that you know, you talk about the history of of jazz in Kansas City and how prevalent that was and how important that was to just the history and just who we are um, as a community right now. But uh, the barbecue, the, the West Bottoms, Tom Tendergast, Liberty Memorial, and a lot of these things, and the way that you guys detail it and explain the pride that Kansas City has always had for its city that it goes way beyond um, just Patrick Mahomes in this era that we're living in right now for people who are younger who don't understand. And, uh, and the takeaway that I had was when you talked about the Liberty Memorial and you told that story about the pride that Kansas City had in raising that two and a half million dollars themselves and the way that the Kansas City Star got involved and the way that it was this civic pride of, we're going to take care of, it. we're going to do this ourselves. We're going to have pride in our city. The way that you simultaneously told that story of the history of the pride of this city and then kind of how through the 90s and through even after that you know, first uh, run at the Super Bowls uh, and it's specific to the Chiefs about how it was, there was so much pride in this team And then talking about Mahomes and the city, I'm not doing a great great job of articulating this, but the way that you kind of symbiotically put those two things together to where it became a perfect fit that the Chiefs hadn't drafted a quarterback since Todd Blackledge. They hadn't drafted a quarterback who had won them a football game in 30 years until Patrick Mahomes, which is the crazier part of that stat of not drafting a quarterback in the first round for 30 years, but not drafting a quarterback who ever won a football game for you for 30 years is crazy to think about. And it's just this, These two stories coming together that gives you a reason and the explanation why at a deeper level, there's this support and this crazy Patrick Mahomes was the perfect athlete at the perfect time and right city for it to be exactly what we're experiencing right now. I just thought that part of it is really cool. It's hard to articulate, but you feel it when you're reading the book. No, I
5: mean- I could go on for for like hours about the history of Kansas City. But like one thing that's really interesting when you go back and you like study all this stuff or research it and, and write about it is like how much history sort of like echoes over the time. Right. So like if you go back 100 years, you would think that Kansas City would be a significantly different kind of place 100 years ago. And it, it was. But like the people very much are familiar, like the things they you know were interested in, thought about and like the pride they had in their city. Um, you know, back in like the 1870s and 1880s, there was this big push. There was like this marketing plan in Kansas city and it was called city of the future. Um, and it was like the idea that like, you know, Kansas city was a young city at the time, but like the people who lived there, there was no really reason for it to like grow into something like, you know, big and special. It was just kind of in the middle of the country, but like the people here, like really, really believed and like felt so strongly like that this place could be something. And um, I still think, like, that sort of striving nature that Kansas City has, like, it's still true today, right? So, like, the, the, I mean, it is an incredibly special place, but, like, it always feels like it's sort of, like, striving to get to that, like, next level. Um, and uh, that's kind of been true since the beginning.
0: You, I think the people of Kansas City were described, and it was in context, I believe, of, you know, stories back in the day, like, the early 1900s. But it was, like, they're, they're nice, polite, with a hint of self-doubt. it was the way that it was described. Like that is so perfectly describes everybody I grew up with. And it's just the quintessential and just the the way that you have things on the East Coast and the West Coast. Like you want to know what, how things are going to happen or how things are going to be affected. Go to the Midwest, go to Kansas City and just see this melting pot of people from back in the day and how it all came together. And uh, some of it's good, some of it's not good. And it's, it's interesting for, again, I think it's important for people to read and understand kind of how we got to this point. Uh, But the the funniest thing, Rustin, and I I was actually laughing out loud. Trying not to wake my son up when I was reading last night, that I was laughing out loud on, is for the first time in my life I read through something that explained Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, the river, how that real estate, how it all happened, and to get into the details the way that you guys did for this book was so funny that I think Rustin, you need to record a video that even if it's just reading the excerpt from the book, like that four pages as quick as you can of just like how Kansas City got named. So every time anybody ever incorrectly says Kansas City, Kansas or screws it up, everybody can just kind of like throw that meme to them. And it just explains exactly why everybody gets it wrong And the history of of Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. I just, I'm not gonna be able to explain it if you want to, you can. But I I was reading through it. I'm like, this would be a perfect response to anybody that gets that wrong because we all know what happens.
5: Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil the book, but what I will say is that it's so confusing that when I was, I I got an early copy and I was like proofreading, just kind of going through, like making sure there were no typos. And I read that part and I was so confused. And I, it's like, I literally helped write the book. I wrote the book, but I still was so confused that I thought we got something wrong. And I like texted my co-author. I'm like, Oh no. And then he's like, no, no, that's right. And it's like, it's because the entire situation makes no sense. Um, It's like you have Kansas City, Missouri. They name it Kansas City before the state of Kansas even exists. Um, You know, like then Kansas, the, the state comes along and like the people in Kansas start accusing Kansas City of of stealing their name, even though the state didn't even exist. And and then there's like a river that is named for both of them. And it's just like the the entire situation is incredibly confusing. But it's also funny because it's like what we're we're in 2023. And like if you travel anywhere like people get it wrong. So like, yeah. you know, they, it's still, it's still today, you know, the president gets it wrong. Everybody gets it wrong. So it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of
0: funny. I thought it was funny. just explaining how the guys like who made the decision, like it was not a big deal back then. Like they didn't even think about it. And every time you had to explain something, it was like, here's why this happened. And you have to know the context of the Missouri compromise to understand why this mattered. And you have yes. to understand why, they didn't care if you went 20 miles outside of the city or 40 or 60 miles outside of the city because it all looked kind of the same and they didn't see it valuable. I just thought the whole way that it was explained, again, anybody from Kansas City could read through it and they'll be able to take something. And this is going to be one of those books for us Then I'm telling you that I'll go back and read, maybe not the whole thing, but just parts of it all the time because there's little excerpts uh, in here. And again, for somebody that, that worked for the Kansas City Chiefs who had a chance to interview Patrick Mahomes in the the weeks and months leading up to the draft when he was a prospect, to talk to him about Kansas City and the Chiefs. And then when he gets drafted and to kind of watch that maturation of the beginning of this dynasty and, you know, the start of arguably one of the best starts we've ever seen for a football player in NFL history. Uh, It's really cool uh, the way that you guys did this. And again, for me personally, just kind of living through it, being a Kansas suburb kid that uh, a lot of this stuff is affected by Uh, and talking about the history of how the city set up the way that it was, uh, but also the history of Patrick Mahomes and how he ended up here.
5: No, no, for sure. I mean, thank you. For, for one, and it's like I, I was doing another interview recently where it is one thing when like all this information is in uh, one place. It's like it's fascinating to think about all the what ifs, right? Or like all the little moments that had to happen uh, for, for, this, for this to be like our reality, right? So like, you know, the, whether it's the 2017 draft, whether it's like Patrick Mahomes' story in high school when he's not even a full-time quarterback until his junior year. You know whether it's like all of these little moments that that had to have happened for this to be what happened. Um, I don't know. It's it's, it is it's like it's kind of cool to think about.
0: Yeah, it it's special, and again, I think it's the the right guy in the right spot in the right city um, that embraced him and that that needed the quarterback. It just again, you couldn't you couldn't write it better uh, as far as the script of Patrick Mahomes and his background, his story, and the Chiefs' history of not just the, the city, but of the the organization and the lack of drafting a quarterback and just needing that guy. Uh, and again, I, I've i got all the way through it. I'm really curious, the, the stuff with Alex Smith. And I've said this from the beginning, that they should build an Alex Smith statue right next to the Patrick Mahomes one for how important he was at the beginning part of his career. And you can talk to Eastenberg and talk to Chris Cabot of what Mah- what Alex Smith meant to Mahomes that year that he registered. It. Uh, it was so special now. Before we let you go and get your final thoughts, Russ, and just where can people find this book uh, what else can you tell us about it to make sure that people get it and some of the things you have going on surrounding it?
5: Yeah, um, well, you can pretty much order it anywhere, Amazon, any independent local bookseller. It'll be out Tuesday, August 22nd, so this week, um, tomorrow as we're recording this. But uh, yeah, any Barnes & Noble in Kansas City should have it. Um, any Most Barnes & Nobles probably across the country should at least have a copy or two. Um, So, yeah, you can pretty much get it anywhere. I mean, Amazon is the easiest place. You know, if you want to throw some love to your local bookseller and kind of find them and order it through them, you can always do that, too. But um, but yeah, BJ, no, this has been great. And we just kind of hope people, you know, it's a it's a like, as I said, it's a it's a way to sort of enjoy the last, you know, five or six years of Chiefs history while also kind of, you know, reading about the, the entire history of Kansas City.
0: All right, awesome. Before I let you go, I want to get your favorite thing that you either studied or learned or kind of dove into that. Again, being from Kansas City that maybe you didn't know before you started writing this book, give me one on Kansas City and one on the Mahomes side of just something that you really enjoyed or a fun story and going through the process of writing this book is going through some of the acknowledgements at the end. You've been working on this for a while some of these interviews yeah. and some of the stuff that you've gathered. Um, just what was your favorite thing about Kansas City and favorite thing about learning about Mahomes?
5: Um, Well, the Kansas City, I I probably could think of more, but this is the one that's coming to my head right away. Kansas City, like, held the Democratic National Convention in in 1900. Um, And there's a whole story behind this because they built this big convention center to, like, bring things to town. I mean, it's like, obviously, like, you you know, that story, like, that still happens today. Um, But it was like a big moment for the city to have this, like, national convention. It was like putting Kansas City on the national map. And three months before the convention the thing burned to like to the ground and um it was like it was really new so they had to rebuild it in three months and uh and everybody in kansas city was like screw it we're doing it we're we're gonna rebuild this thing but my favorite little detail from this story is that like you know all these big wigs like political people they're all in town you know it's like a big moment for the city and so they had every all the local people who were kind of like the local kind of ambassadors or guides or like you know those kind of people they gave them all t-shirts and they gave them buttons that said, uh, I'm from Kansas city. Ask me about it. And, um, I just, I, I just found it funny because it's like, you know, what does anybody from Kansas city do where when they go anywhere, it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta put my Kansas city shirt on because you know, hopefully somebody might ask me about it or, <laughs> or like yeah. whatever, you know, like people, you know, nobody wears more Kansas city stuff than people who are actually from Kansas city. So I thought, I thought that was funny. And, I don't know. There's a ton of Mahomes stuff that I found fascinating. I mean, like a lot of these stories people know, right? The, the f- stories are familiar. The Alex Smith chapter was fun. I, I I enjoyed just really diving into like how much that relationship went both ways, because I think, you know, it's like it's not only that Alex Smith was who he was, but I don't know that he reacts a, a certain way unless Patrick Mahomes is the way he is. Right. So it's that yeah. kind of two way relationship that. But maybe the most interesting Mahomes thing was just studying the Mahomes family in, uh, East Texas. Um, we kind of traced it back a few generations. Um, so, you know, Patrick's grandfather is a guy named Johnny Mahomes. And, um, you know, he was like the valedictorian of his high school, you know, class in the sixties. And then, you know, his father and his father before them. And you sort of just see the, like the family foundation, right? Like, you know they're they're just were high achievers and hard workers you know for decades in East Texas. um and so kind of seeing that, you know how you know a family evolves over a few generations and like you know, the, the different people like I found that just like really interesting
0: yeah I a couple things. one the when you told me the story about the the Democratic Na- National Convention and the building burning down, the one detail I remember because I was reading through that, that was part of what I read last night. Was before it had even finished burning, they were already on the phone with the steel company or whoever <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, it's just can see the action of like the pragmatic nature of being like, there's a problem. We are getting to work. Like, we are going to fix this. You've already like cleared the fact that this is happening. You've accepted that. And now it's what do we have to do to rebuild this thing? Again, on the phone with them before it was even done. And, and yeah, the stuff on the history of Mahomes uh, in Tyler, Texas, and that, you know, Randy and her family outside of t- Tyler. All of that. Again, phenomenal job, phenomenal read for anybody from Kansas City. I uh, couldn't urge you more to go to go and find that. And it's one of those books, too, I think, that is going to stand the test of time and that it, you know, your coffee table book, somebody picks it up, just starts skimming through it. You don't have to know everything at the beginning of part of the book just to pick it up to any page and start reading. You can just read, like, like I said, one of those short stories about something and you'll take something, I think, different away from it every time you read. But uh, phenomenal job. Again, that's Rustin Dodd from The Athletic, one of the co-authors along with Mark Dent of the Kingdom Quarterback book. About a once-swinging Cowtown chase, the ultimate comeback. A lot of pride. People in Kansas City will give you the history of why that is and why that will continue to be with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs doing what they're doing right now. Appreciate everybody for listening. Rustin, appreciate you for joining us. You can find the link to buy that book in the description of this show, both on YouTube and the podcast as well. Rustin, man, appreciate it
5: thanks bj i really appreciate it
0: all right we'll see you guys next time we'll get you covered uh for the upcoming final preseason game for the chiefs against the browns next saturday with roster cutdowns coming up tuesday august 29th we'll have you covered here at kc sports network
2: thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard